Take your Bibles. We're going back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. One of my favorite chapters in the book of Genesis. It's a chapter that you heard about if you were in Sunday school when you were a little boy or a little girl. About Noah and the ark. And I want us to look at that. And it's amazing. As you began to look at this of the typology that God had given to us through this great experience of Noah and his family. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and we'll look throughout the whole entire chapter. We've got a lot to, uh, uh, to go over here this morning. So you're going to have to listen real fast today. And so uh, we're going to look at uh, chapter 6 and even chapter 7 and a little bit of chapter 8. So would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word? Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, And daughters were born to them. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years." There were giants on the earth of those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's a key verse. And you need to mark that in your Bible, that this is a very important verse. And it says, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Can you imagine God being the God that he was, made man in his own image. And now he comes to a point where the Bible says that he grieved in his heart and even regretted that he created man. So the Lord said in verse 7, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I made them. Wow, what a terrible, terrible thing to be known, that God was sorry that he'd made man. But look what verse 8 says. Had it not been for verse 8... Verse 7 would have been the end of the Bible because it would have been the end. 
But there's two outstanding words in verse 8 that I am so thankful for. But Noah found what? Grace. Oh, thank God for his grace. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful word. And Lord, help us to learn from the sins of the past. Help us to understand and experience your marvelous grace. Help us, dear Lord, to be men and women like Noah, faithful when it was not popular. So, Father, may you bless us today with the preaching and the teaching of your word. Anoint us, fill us with your spirit, and may everything that be said today will bring glory and honor to the name of Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This past week, as I mentioned to you, my family and I went on a cruise. And we went down to the Western Caribbean. And as I was on this humongous cruise ship, I had been studying this chapter. And uh, a couple thoughts came into my mind. I thought, imagine for a moment that there was this wealthy tycoon. And there he began to build a large cruise ship. And in that cruise ship was a beautiful cruise ship. And there upon that cruise ship, there was this king-size bed. There was this big colored TV. It was a sweet a balcony, had plenty of food, all the food and every kind of food you possibly could imagine. Now imagine that he invited everyone to come upon that cruise ship. And there he would um, be no expense, all free. But there... The passengers that comes upon the cruise ship all together except one began to rebel against that benevolent, wealthy individual. And they decided to take over the ship. And they decided to come against this one wealthy individual. Tie him up weighed him down, throw him overboard, and take over the ship. As I thought about that, I thought, well, that's a modern-day parable of what happened many, many, many years ago. Because that cruise ship was none other than, my friend, the luxury liner called Planet Earth. Because... He had created the human race. God had created the human race. And there he placed us upon this great planet. And he says, everything is free. The sunshine, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat, 
the water that we drink. Absolutely free. And yet we rebelled. He says you can have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But there's only one problem. That one captain cannot be thrown overboard. Which, of course, the Lord himself. So he decides he builds another cruise ship called the Good Ship of Grace. And this Good Ship of Grace takes upon one loyal passenger and his family. And upon that cruise ship of the Good Ship of Grace, we begin to see the parallel the typology, the picture of the provision of God's grace in the midst of His wrath, in the midst of His judgment. We see through Noah, the saint of God. We see through the ark as a provision that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. What Noah had physically is what we have spiritually of the judgment of God, of sparing, being spared by His grace and His love. Now, that's the way the story goes, but just as Paul Harvey says, we need to hear the rest of the story. And so what I want to do, I want to take for a few moments, this passage of Scripture, and began to look at the ark and to see how that is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and to see Noah as a picture of you and I being spared by the judgment of God. So there's three things I want you to notice with me as we look at this passage of Scripture. First of all, as you go back to verse 5, God's position with Noah. Now, I want you to notice his relationship that he had with Noah. It was a unique relationship. It was a relationship that he had with Noah that he did not have with any other person on the face of the earth. You'll notice back there in verse 5, look what the Bible says in chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The world was wallowing in sin. In fact, it would be almost like a picture of modern-day America. Marriage, giving in to marriages homosexuality, rebellion, rioting. It would almost remind you of today. We see the sin that that God brings out before us here today there in verse 5. Do you see that word intent? That word intent literally means the shape as a potter. In other words, that they were some godless philosophers. There were wicked ideas. 
that was being circulated among mankind to warp man's ideas of God and ideas of his own self. And because of these godless philosophies, you began to recognize that they were literally reshaping reshaping society. They were calling good evil and evil good. Does that not remind you of today? They were literally calling honesty hypocrisy. They were calling love. I mean, they were calling love was replaced by lust. Holiness replaced by hellishness. God being replaced by greed. And so you'll see there was that sin. But not only that sin, you see the sorrow that follows that sin. Look what the Bible says in verse 6 and 7. The Bible says in verse 6, So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I've made them. I am sorry that I made them. My friend, as I began to look at this, I began to see sorrow follows sin just like night follows day. Sorrow and suffering. Hearing from the lips of Almighty God, I regret ever creating mankind. But there was one. There was an individual by the man by the name of Noah. He stood a head taller above all of the rest. And I think it's interesting that you begin to look at some characteristics about him. I've got them listed there as we will go on to look at them in just a few moments. First of all, I want you to notice of Noah's conversion. The Bible says there in verse 8, the Bible reminds us, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. My friend, I want you to understand, Noah was not saved because he was a good man. He was a good man because he was saved. He was a godly man. Here was an individual that had come to understand the grace of Almighty God. Here was a man that had come to understand the love of God, but also he understood the righteousness of God. And therefore, the Bible reminds us that he was converted. My friend, he was not saved because he built the ark. He built the ark because he was saved. Clear obedience to God Almighty. Because of the grace of God, we began to see of his conversion. But not only his conversion, but look in verse 9, his character. The Bible says that he was a just man. That word just man literally means that he was a righteous man. 
In other words, that he experienced the righteousness of God. Just like you today, when you experience the, the new birth, as Christ comes into your life, that the righteousness of God begins to be demonstrated in your life. You become a righteous, a just person. You have been justified in the, in the eyes of Almighty God. Noah was righteous because he was right with God. I'm reminded in the scriptures in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Listen to these words. The just shall live by faith. What did Noah do? He lived a life of faith. A hundred and twenty years. He was faithful in doing the work that God had called him. Why? Because he was a just man. He had been justified. He was a man that was right with Almighty God. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1, listen to this. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We have peace with God. We sung about that peace just a few moments ago. We have made peace with Almighty God. But not only do I want you to notice Noah's conversion and Noah's character. But look with me, Noah's conduct. The Bible talks about in verse 9 that Noah was perfect in his generation. Now, don't misunderstand when you read that word perfect. It does not mean that he was sinless. It does not mean that he did not, he was not a sinful man like you and I, but literally... The Hebrew word there is a word called tamim, T-A-M-I-M, tamim, which literally means contaminated. In other words, he was without contamination. He was without a blemish. He was a man that was blameless. He was a man of character. And so when you think about Noah, he was a man that stood above the rest of the world. I can almost imagine even his critics would probably would say, there goes a good man. There goes a righteous man. And my friend, that's what the world is looking for today, is it not? They're looking for men and women that will stand up and do what's right and live right and talk right and dress right. And all his conduct, my friend, was blameless. But what about his commitment? The Bible talks about there in verse 9 that a very famous statement there. It says that Noah walked with God. Now, have you thought about that for a moment? Out of all the people in the world that day, he was the only one that the Bible says that walked with God. He and his wife and his family walked with God. What does that mean? That means that he walked a different step than the world. 
He didn't walk with the same drumbeat. I heard about one time there was this, uh, uh, in this parade. And there in this parade, there was this marching band. And everybody was walking in unison as they were playing, except this one tuba player. And this one tuba player was walking not in unison with the rest. And they couldn't figure it out. The drum major couldn't figure it out until finally he happened to notice he had something in his ear. And he was listening to another bit of music. And he was walking to the beat of that music. My friend, I believe God is looking for men and women today that will walk a different drumbeat with the world today. The Bible says that we're to be different. The Bible says that you are to be righteous people. And therefore, our commitment is to walk with God. We talked about that one time before as you go back a chapter or two as Enoch was a man who walked with God. He lived for the purpose of having that daily fellowship with a holy, righteous God. But I want you to see something else. Not only Noah's commitment, but Noah's confidence. Look what the Bible says there in verse 22. There in verse 22, it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. What a commitment. Noah believed God, and because he believed God, he obeyed God. And my friend, I want you to understand, that was the character of God, I mean the character that inducted him in God's hall of fame. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 says these words. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Think about that. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, friend, I want you to understand, it had never rained before. They got the water from the dew of the earth. Friend, I want to remind you that Noah lived about 500 miles away from any body of water. Now, can you imagine? Here's a man out here, and he's working, and he's building this uh, humongous ship, and it never rained. And while he's building, he's preaching, he's proclaiming, he's protesting against their sins, and here he is. For 120 years. Why, we kind of give up on God after a day or two. But here was a man of faithfulness, committed to the end. 
And so you see the confidence that he had in, in God himself. This is nothing but a picture of faith. Faith without works, what the Bible say, is dead. And so the Bible reminds us here through his great servant of the confidence that he had in God. He did not allow circumstance. He did not allow time. He did not allow people to persuade him to believe different. Friend, we're going to live in, we're living in a world today well, this world is going to try to sway your confidence in God. We're living in a world that will try to encourage you to believe in ungodly philosophies. But we need men and women like Noah. So you see his position. But not only his position, I want you to notice God's provision for Noah. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 21. I do not have time to go back and read that this morning. But I encourage you to go back and read that. And, and literally what it talks about, it talks about that the ark was a type, a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, friend, do you understand that Noah physically was saved by God's provision just like you and I are saved by His provision through the Savior. Now, let's look at that very quickly. First of all, I want you to notice the substance of the ship. Look in verse 14 just for a moment. It says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make room in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. Gopher wood is an interesting piece of wood. It is a cedar. A cedar is, uh, as you well know, it does not decay. It is a piece of wood that uh, it's like a, a cypress type of wood. And so therefore, as you begin to study this, you begin to see that this symbolizes the humanity of God. The Bible reminds us of that very thing, that wood in the Bible is often symbolizes the humanity of man and of God. Psalms chapter 1 tells us that the righteous will be planted by planted like a tree by the rivers of water. And then, of course, the Bible reminds us in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, prophesies that Jesus would be a root out of dry ground. So it expresses its humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see the security of the ship. Look in verse 14. It says that this gopher wood was, had a covering upon it of pitch. Of pitch. I think that's interesting. You go back in the Hebrew, and this word pitch is referred 70 different times of the same word of atonement. Not only would it have wood, but there would be a Tar, a pitch, atonement 
upon that piece of wood, that ship, so that that water of judgment would not penetrate that ark. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11 says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. My friend, I want you to understand the importance of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood that will wash away our sins. Nothing but the blood that keeps the judgment of God away from your soul. The judgment. The ark was not covered with pitch. My friend, the water would have seeped through. The, 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 the wrath of God, the righteousness of God, the judgment of God would have seeped through those planks of wood. Then, of course, the size of the ship. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. Have you ever thought about the size of a ship that Noah built for 120 years? It says, and this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits. And it's height 30 cubits. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? Just to put it in layman's term, it was 450 feet long by 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Friend, that is about the estimate of about 3 million cubic feet. Now, what does that mean to us? It's a picture of the sufficiency of Christ. It's a picture that, that there's room at the cross. That whatever Noah was intended to bring upon that ship, that there was plenty of room upon that ship. But let's think about the shape of that ship just for a moment. I want you to see a picture of the ark. This is a replica of the ark. Now, you think about the size and the shape of that ark. A lot of times people would think about the ark as some type of big cruise ship. But what does it look like to you? It looks like a casket to me. And when you think of a casket, I think of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it just for a moment. The ark is built like a flat box. And this flat box is shaped, quite frankly, like a coffin, a casket. Ark is nothing but a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Listen what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. This is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also, what? Live with him. 
So we understand that when Christ comes into our heart, we identify with His death. He died for our sins. And we die to our sins. A picture of His death. But think about the structure of the ark. Look at verse 16 just for a moment. You shall make a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Now, I think you noticed that as you, there was only one door in the ark. And there's only one window in the ark. The door was at the lower part of the ark, and the window was at the top part of the ark. The window at the top reminds me that there's only one way to look, and that was to look up. For Noah, I'm reminded of what the scriptures teaches us in Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So true. But now you'll notice that the Bible talks about that it had three decks. Now why is that so interesting that it had three decks on this ship? It represents the fact that we're saved Mind, body, and soul. When God saves us, He saves us body, soul, and spirit. And so therefore, as we think about when we become a child of God, listen to this very carefully. When you become a child of God, you are justified immediately in your spirit. But you're not only justified in your spirit, but you're satisfied or sanctified progressively in your soul, day by day. And then, of course, you are glorified ultimately one day in your body. Oh, think about it for a moment. But also... I want us to go right on to the schedule or the substance of the ship in verse 21. The Bible says in verse 21 that, And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Now you think about it. Not only you're saved through the ship, but you're satisfied on the ship. That all food, all substance that you are possibly needy would be right there. I think about the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ came into my life, that he became the, the bread of life. He became the living waters in my life. With the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, he satisfies my soul. But then the schedule of the ship, chapter 8, verse 4. I want you to listen to this very carefully because I think this is very important. Chapter 8, verse 4 says, Then the ark rested in the seventh month and the seventeenth day of the month. Now, why is that so important? Why is the date so important? See, the Jewish calendar begins... With October. It doesn't begin with January, but it begins with October. The seventh month would be April. 
So it was the April the 17th when this ark settled. Now, why is that so important? Well, the Jewish Passover started on the 14th. Jesus Christ was crucified on the 14th. But on the 17th, what happened? He arose. Do you think it's by coincidence? Do you think it's by coincidence that the ark settled on the April the 17th, the same markings of the date that Jesus Christ rose from the grave? Isn't that amazing? Well, let's move on. And I've got to go very quickly because we need to close. Let's look at God's protection of Noah. See, of all the lessons of about this art, that does not only speak to us about our salvation, but it speaks to us about our security. About our security. See, the ark was graced by the presence of God. Look what the Bible says in chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come. It did not say go. But it says, God says, come into the ark. What does that mean? That means God was already in the ark. If God was not in the ark, he would have said, go. Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation come into the ark but not only the ark was graced by the presence of God but also I want you to notice that the ark was guarded by the power of God look in chapter 7 verse 16 so those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God has commanded him. And what did it say? And the Lord shut the door. The Lord shut the door. Noah, once he got in the ark, he didn't pull down the hatch. He didn't put the lock on. But God shut the door. He was guarded by the power of God. God shut the door. God was the one that sealed the door. Does that not remind you of when you come to know Christ as your Savior? That God, through His Holy Spirit, sealed you until the day of redemption? Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. And then, of course, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 says that the door God shuts, no one can open. Mm. And then one last thing, and we close. 
The ark was guided by the plan of God. Chapter 7, verse 17. It says, Now the flood was on the earth forty days, and the water increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. Did you notice that? The flood rose higher and higher and higher and higher. But as the waters continued to increase, guess where the ship was? He was on top of the waters. On top of those raging seas. The flood eventually rose 22 feet above the highest mountain at that particular time. My friend, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Now the ship landed safely. I'm sure it was a rough journey. I'm sure that possibly Noah got seasick. But I want you to notice something very carefully. Not one time did he fall out of the ship. He may have fallen inside the ship, but he never fell out of the ship. My friend, you're here today, and you say, well, what in the world does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Do you know what Jesus said one time? Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus one time says, I am the way. Just like Noah had to do it God's way. That's the way that you and I have to do it today. Because I want to remind you, God is holy. He's just. And He must must judge sin. And He's proven that as He sent the flood. But oh, God's loving. And God is a God of grace. And if you'd be willing to do what Noah did, to follow him, guess what? There will be smooth sailings for you right straight into the boundaries of heaven for the glory of God. Amen. Father, thank you for your precious word. And Lord Jesus, we pray that today that you will certainly use your word to certainly speak to the hearts of your people. Thank you so much for the ark. But all thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ who is represented by that ark. May the Holy Spirit of God work in the hearts and lives of your people here today. For we ask this in Jesus' name.